What is it that motivates people to stay part of a, uh, a church community where it is hard and difficult to stand with Christians? Well, this letter that we've been uh, studying addresses Christians who were tempted to give up in the first century, uh, to move away from their commitment to Christ and get out of the heat of opposition. Chapter 13 of this book, at first glance, can seem uh, a bit like a random series of, uh, of commands and statements, but the more I kind of dig into it, the more I see how incredibly vital it is and practical it is uh, as it comes to the end of this amazing book of theology about Jesus. See, when life is difficult, uh, we can be tempted to find comfort and um, refuge in all the wrong places. So how do you keep going uh, when your marriage is difficult or disappointing? How do you resist the uh, attractive non-Christian when you are feeling lonely? How do you fight lust in a porn culture where Love Island is seen as good entertainment? How will you keep going uh, when your business is not doing well and the finances are tight? How can you stay content when you're overlooked for that promotion and that pay rise? Well, this chapter has pointed us to the essential factor of living by faith in God, a faith that depends on the promises of God. So have a look at uh, chapter 13 and verse 5. Look at what God has said. Look at this promise. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so when you live your life believing that promise, as the verse goes on to say, you can live with confidence. And you can say this, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You see, we can't keep going uh, in the Christian life by mere human energy uh, and strength. It is only by leaning upon and depending on God and all his resources to us that we will have the power and the confidence to keep going. Uh, this is how the heroes of the past persevered. In chapter 11, we have that amazing account of all those great biblical heroes who, who kept pushing through great adversities and difficulties by faith, that repeated phrase, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then last week, we recalled from chapter 13 how the writer urged them to remember the heroes that they had known, the leaders of the past who had taught them God's words and who had modeled a life of integrity and faith. Imitate their faith was the command that we saw in uh, 13 and verse 7. And what was their faith in? Their faith was in Jesus Christ, verse 8. Jesus Christ who is eternally the same, the same yesterday and today and forever. This is how we keep going in the Christian life. This is how we keep being part of a church community when it's, when it's tough and difficult. 
I don't know whether you've read about what's happening in northern Nigeria, but literally thousands of Christians are being massacred in northern Nigeria for being Christians. How do you keep turning up to church when identifying yourself with Christians might mean that you might be massacred in the week ahead? Well, we need to live by faith in this Lord Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what are you to do when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling weak as a Christian? What can you do in those situations? Well, I'm going to read uh, the next few verses. I'm going to read from verses 9 uh, down to 14 today. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Let's just pray again. Father, would you help us, please, to understand all that you have for us in these verses and all that we have in Jesus Christ, that we might be willing to stand with Christ, even if that mean, means reproach or persecution, that we may not ever look in false places to be nurtured in the Christian faith, but only in him. And so would you draw near to each one of us now as we examine your word by your spirit, would you change us and renew us and refresh us? We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Now every Christian has seasons where they feel that they're weak, when our hearts are just full of anxiety and worry, uh, when we feel dirty, because of our sins and our moral failure. When we feel defeated because we've fallen short of goals in our life. When we feel apathetic and cold towards God and the things of God. Our hearts indeed have times where they feel very weak. Do you not experience this yourself? I know I do. Now, God wants to teach us here how our hearts can be strengthened in these times. And how are our hearts strengthened? Well, he begins by warning us of some false voices in verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And it seems that some were suggesting that God strengthened his people when they were careful about their diet, about eating ceremonial foods. Uh, now you can read lots of commentaries, but in short, we're not exactly sure what this teaching was about. 
was this about some sort of spiritual diet uh, that people were teaching that you needed to follow all the dietary laws of the, of the old covenant of the Hebrew scriptures. Things like avoiding shrimp and pork. Were they teaching that this is how you are to maintain a holy life and, and this is how you are to put yourself in a place where you experience the blessing of God by following these Old Testament laws? Well, we don't know exactly. But we do know that uh, even as Paul went about preaching the gospel and establishing churches, as he moved on to other churches, it seemed as if there were a group of people who followed not long bef- behind and, and they, 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 they would sort of turn up to these churches and say, well, now, Brother Paul, he's taught you the good news about Jesus, but you know what? If you really want to be uh, experiencing the blessing of God and know the next level in your Christian life, you really need to become like us Jews. You need to be circumcised if you're a bloke and uh, you need to follow the dietary laws and and, uh, and, and, and follow the festivals that we do. And then you'll enter into the real fullness and richness of, of what Christ has for you. Were they saying something like that? Well, we don't know. I did meet some Christians in America when I passed there uh, who started believing that to be fully serious Christians, they needed to follow the Jewish festivals. They need to worship not on the Sunday, but on the Saturday. They need to follow the Old Testament food regulations, and this was put them at an extra special place ahead of the rest of us Christians. But the writer wanted the church to know that what they ate had no real bearing on their spiritual state. Our hearts, uh, verse 9, are not strengthened by eating ceremonial foods, which have no benefit to those who do. Now your diet will be of some benefit to you. Your doctors will tell you this. There will be some physical benefit to your heart. If you avoid, to, if you avoid eating uh, deep fried Mars bars, uh, you avoid saturated fats and foods with high salt levels. Um, if you avoid excessive sugary drinks uh, that can lead to obesity, making sure you eat vegetables and fruit and a balanced diet so you can get all the right vitamins and minerals it'll help you live a healthy life it'll be good for your physical heart and you know some people get very excited and enthusiastic about the benefits of their diet they're almost religious almost um, see it as something that saves them Uh, you know that if you have become a vegetarian then you are a better person all around and if you are vegan you are at the top of the tree Uh, it was it was fascinating to me um, when we went out on the streets last year and we asked people the question, how would you fix the world? The number of people who are on the street here said, become a vegan. This would, this would be the thing that would save the world if we all turned to veganism. Now, um, it may be a good way to live. I don't want to knock it at all. But do you know what? None of these dietary things will actually do you any spiritual good you want to do that knock yourself out but don't think it's going to put you somewhere higher to God but you know there have been all sorts of uh, confusion that's come into the Christian church about uh, other spiritual foods think about communion from a simple memorial meal instituted by Jesus on the night before his crucifixion traditions have arisen which turn communion into a bloodless Resacrificing of Jesus, every communion 
And some people have treated receiving the bread and the wine as if it was some so, something magical. That the mere taking of the bread and the wine in and of itself, ingesting it, you will receive God's blessing in some way. But food and drink, whether it's for physical or spiritual use, is of no benefit to strengthen our hearts spiritually. Mere outward, external religion will not strengthen our hearts. Whether that's a sort of a very fancy Gothic church buildings and robed choirs and um, people in priestly garments where there are altars and people swinging incense, or whether that's more of a Baptist form where you just, you know, you, 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 you say what needs to be said and you get baptized at the right time and you become a deacon or you, you, you get on the Sunday school rotor or you, you get on the flower rotor. And, uh, do you know what? In and of itself, this outward religion will not do you any good if that is all it is. So what is it that strengthens our hearts? Well, it's there in verse 9. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. It is God's grace. Now how? Well, take a look at verse 10. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now this uh, seems a bit complicated uh, for us as, uh, if we're not Jewish people, if we don't have an in-depth knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. But the first readers did come from a Jewish background. They would have understood this well. They've been well-grounded in, the, in their scriptures. All through this letter, uh, the writer has been showing them how Jesus fulfills all the categories of what they knew as worship. And, and yet is far better and superior a replacement of all of them. To approach God, you need a great high priest and Jesus is the better and greater high priest who's the mediator for sinners. To approach God, you need your sins forgiven. You need God's wrath against your sin turned away from you. And so as a sinner to come before a holy God, you need a sacrifice of atonement that will act as a substitute dying in your place. And Jesus is the better and perfect once for all sacrifice for sinners. And so when it says we have an altar, it is directing us now to keep turning to Jesus who once and for all offered himself as the perfect sacrifice on the altar of his crucifixion. Now the Old Testament priests were allowed to eat some of the animal sacrifices that the people brought to the tabernacle as a way of sustaining them. And taking that idea, he says this, that all those who have trusted Jesus, we have a right to eat at the altar of grace. What will strengthen and sustain our weak hearts is to keep turning to Jesus. Outside of Jerusalem, through the sacrifice of his son upon a cross, God has laid on a feast of grace for all who will come by faith to him. 
This is the altar that we have as Christians. Here is the spiritual food that will nourish the life of a Christian. Here is where we'll find grace and mercy to sustain us throughout our Christian pilgrimage. That will sustain us when life gets really hard. When our hearts feel really weak. See, when you wake up in the morning and, and your heart is feeling spiritually weak, what is it you most desperately need? It's not a bowl of cornflakes and a strong cup of coffee. It is to go afresh to Jesus Christ and to seek fresh grace in your life. You see, this is the New Testament spirituality that counts. It is a living, personal dependence upon Jesus by faith. A daily dependence on him. It is to be genuinely connected to the life of Jesus by his spirit. We'll never be able to live this Christian life. We'll never be able to keep going against awful persecution and hardship unless we are daily nourished by Jesus. Do you remember when the devil sought to um, tempt Jesus in the wilderness in, in his, after his time of fasting? He urged him to turn stones into bread. Remember what Jesus replied to him? It's from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and it says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And throughout his life, we find that Jesus made time to go to quiet places in order to pray and to depend upon his heavenly Father. He was uh, truly divine and truly human and yet his, as, as he became a man he didn't rely on his divine resources he chose to rely on his heavenly father day by day as he lived out his life as a flesh and blood human and here is the sinless son of God and he took time to so study the scriptures that he could just quote them and make time to depend upon his father in prayer. And if he needed to do that, how much more desperately do we need to do exactly the same things? I wonder how much of the weakness that we feel is because we really haven't made use of this altar of grace in this past week this past month? Are we really too busy to do this? Remember why Facebook was created. Facebook was created to remind Christians that you really do have time to read your Bible and pray. You really do. We really do. When I talk to people who are thinking of walking away from, from their Christian faith, I ask them how they get on with their their Bible reading and their prayer. And you know what I tend to discover? They've been starving themselves spiritually for a very long time. They don't make use of the blessing of coming to meet with God's family and hearing God's word read and preached and to sing God's praises amongst his people. They, they, they've just got into bad habits where they just don't open the Bible for themselves anymore. They don't really make much time to pray they're spiritually malnourished. 
Now it is tragic to see people starving because there is no food. It is absolutely bizarre when people are starving when the larder is full of foods. And yet they've just not gone to the altar of grace. Notice some are excluded from this altar. It says those who minister at the tabernacle. Uh, and I think what it means by that is those, you know, in the, in the first century, is right in this, that the temple was still operating. Uh, those who were still continuing with the Old Testament sacrifices after Jesus were basically wanting a religion and a spirituality apart from Jesus. And I meet plenty of people like this. They love, there's lots of people out there who love to be seen as spiritual. They just don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with the Bible. There's obviously lots of religions out there that, that, that look very impressive, look, outward shows of piety and, and do incredible things, and yet they're, they're looking to relate to God apart from Jesus. And all forms of approaching God apart from coming through Christ are empty and useless, of no benefit. At the very least, they're of no benefit. And you're cutting yourself off from enjoying the true grace of God. You see, my friends, we cannot be in a relationship with God without approaching him through the cross work of Jesus Christ. We're not trying to promote here people being more religious, doing more outward religious-y things. What we all desperately need is a living, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it comes through repenting of my sins, understanding that uh, I have no merits on my own and I desperately need the forgiveness of God and, and the grace that comes and only comes through the one sacrifice for sins that counts, the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross and laying hold of Christ for myself. I don't know how you're feeling today. But I want you to know there is an altar from which we can be nourished and strengthened today by grace. It is a bountiful feast of grace that is open for everyone today who will merely repent of their sins and lay hold of Christ by faith. If you've never done that, why don't you do it today? The scriptures are full of these amazing invitations. Isaiah 55, come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. This is yours in the Lord Jesus Christ today. My Christian friends, we have an altar from which those who minister in the tabernacle have no right to eat. But we do have the right to feast on this altar of grace. Each day, I desperately need to hear God's word. Are you going to eat food today? Do you think, oh, I ate food yesterday? I don't need food today. 
I bet none of you are thinking that. You loved the meal yesterday, but that was last day. Today is a different day. My stomach is grumbling. My friends, we need daily bread. We need to daily hear from God's word. I need daily to be reminded of his promises. Do you know what? When I listen to the lovely Hugh Edwards and what a fine Welshman he is, he does not remind me of the promises of God on the news. I need to go somewhere else to remind me of the promises of God. I need to go somewhere else to hear of all I've got in Christ. I need to approach the throne of God's grace each day and receive fresh mercy and help. I can get my life sort of squared up for a day and somehow overnight it all just unravels and I can wake up and my heart feels just as weak and I need fresh grace. When I'm anxious and fearful, I need to meditate on those accounts that show him to be Lord over his creation. That he is indeed the Lord over disaster and demons and disease and death. And if the Lord is my helper, I do not need to be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And I need to spend time in his presence so that those words go beyond just my head, but deep down into my heart and strengthen me. So I can say with confidence, what can, what can mere people do to me today? If the Lord is my helper, when I'm feeling defeated, I need to remember that I'm greatly loved by God, not by my achievements, which is just as well because they're not that impressive anyway. Even on a good day, they're not that impressive. And he's reminded that I'm greatly loved by God and that Jesus is not ashamed to call me his brother. Or if you're a woman today, he's not ashamed to call you his sister. He's your, no, I've got confused now, haven't I? He's not afraid to call us his brother. By the grace of God, he has tasted death for me that he might take me to glory. That's what I need to remind myself. I'm feeling defeated, but you know what? He's tasted death for me so that I will definitely make it to glory. I'm definitely going to get there because of Jesus. I need to be reminded of that. When I'm aware of the filthiness of my sin, I need to see the perfection of his life and his willing, sin-bearing death, that Jesus has entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood and so obtained my eternal redemption. Now you can get excited about the fact that he's bought your eternal redemption, but in the morning what I need to feed my heart on is that he's bought my eternal redemption. That Christ has offered himself and his blood and blemish to God in order to cleanse my conscience. He cleanses my conscience. He removes my shame. I need that. When I'm feeling weak, when I'm weakened by temptation, I need to be looking again at Jesus, my great high priest, knowing that he actually has sympathy for my weaknesses. He knows what it is to be tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And that through him, I can approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace. And when I feel powerless and hopeless, I need to remember that Jesus is the anchor 
for my soul. I am weak, but he is mighty. He is the anchor that I'm tethered to. And he's gone ahead of me into the very presence of God on my behalf. And he's able to save me completely as I've come to God through him. And he always intercedes for weak people like me. What an altar we can approach each day. What a feast of grace that is ours in Jesus if we will take time each day and make ourselves happy in God. Now it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. Maybe it doesn't work for you. I, f- I find if I don't get it done in the morning, it just doesn't get done. But whenever it is in your day, make time to freshly appropriate these truths so it goes deep down inside of you. Eat at this altar of grace. Now I said earlier that uh, the bread and the wine is not intrinsically a blessing. It's not the stuff that you put in your mouth that's the blessing. But it is a great blessing to come to the communion table because as I take the bread and the wine, I am freshly reminded of what Christ did for me and I'm freshly reminded by faith to trust him, to thank him. And the blessing comes by faith in Christ, not by something magical you know it's just it's just a loaf of bread we don't even do wine here it's like fruit juice the blessing is by faith in Christ and so as I finish this morning here's a question I was asking myself this week maybe you should ask this yourself why would we famish ourselves When the larder is stocked full and overflowing, why would we starve ourselves of all that God has done, all that God has made possible for us? My friends, if you're not a Christian today, you can come to him for the very first time today and start feasting on this grace. It'll change and transform your life utterly. And my Christian friends, How do we dare go into this week without building this into our life? We have an altar where we can eat the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.